Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We are uh, continuing our series on the year of the Bible, and I pray and hope that you have downloaded the app off of you version. You go to year of the Bible, you see our logo, you can click it, and then you can subscribe to our um, reading plan. And so let me encourage you every day as you can, engage with the scriptures. Take some time. Um, our staff has written these devotions that are going to be life-giving to you. Any time you spend growing in your relationship with God is time well spent. You're never gonna spend 10, 15 minutes reading the word and praying and seeking God and then walk away and be like, man, I, I just wish I would have been on Instagram a little bit more. Nobody says that. But it takes a, uh, a decision to prioritize, to engage with God. And then when you do, you get the fruit of what it means to engage with God. You, you begin to grow in your relationship with him. And so let me encourage you, please get on. Download it. Start today. Do it with your family. Do it tonight. Do it around your dinner table. Do it um, on your way to work. Not when you're driving, but just do it. Watch the videos that we partner with the Bible Project, and we're going to grow this year. The level of your growth this year is directly connected to your level of participation with God. It's this cooperation thing that I was speaking of just a moment ago, that God invites us to cooperate with him. So he doesn't force us, he doesn't make us, but he does invite us. And so let me encourage you to do that. I wanna see God do amazing things in your life. A couple of announcements, just so you're aware. Um, we have a, a marriage conference coming up, it's called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, April 8th and 9th. It's a Friday evening, Saturday morning, and you can sign up on the, on the, on the website of uh, Mark Gunger, or you can visit the counter out there as well. It's going to be a tremendous time for us as, as married couples to come. Or if you're engaged, let me encourage you, I want you to come. Or if you're thinking about being engaged, I want you to come, because we want our marriages to be healthy. Amen? Amen? amen. All the men say amen. amen. All the wives say Amen. Amen. Also, our kids' ministry, we are, we, we are continuing to need folks to serve. And so I just want to ask you to ask the Lord to tell you to go serve in men, children's ministry, okay? <laughs> You're like, listen, I don't know. I just want to ask God if he should, like, well, what else are you doing? Well, I'm drinking coffee. Well, then go serve our kids. They need you. And so if you could, just stop by the counter and just ask what's available. Ask, you know, it's not like a, a, a long commitment. There are projects you can be a part of. We need some bodies to take care of the other little bodies, okay? And so let me just encourage you to do that. Also, we have a men's barbecue that's coming up. All the men said yes. It's this Tuesday, 6.30. I'm going to be smoking some meat and bringing it. Some of our other staff is going to be smoking some meat and bringing it. We're going to have a good time together. And men, listen, we need to be men. We need to come and be men. We need to hang out with one another. And I want to get to know you. And I want you to get to know others and me. And we need to hang out. And there's nothing that, that does that or, or settles that more than eating smoked meat and throwing axes at one another. It's going to be an amazing time. 
It's going to be fun. All middle school young men, you are welcome to come. So listen, bring somebody. Let's hang out. It's going to be a good time for us to be together. Um, So guys, listen, we are continuing this series on the year of the Bible. And I titled this message, God Knows Best. As I was preparing for this, I, uh, there was a direction I was going, which is a very traditional direction. And I, I'm speaking out of Genesis 3 today as we've been reading leading up to this moment. And we see in the beginning there are two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we've come to this place two weeks ago. We understood God as our creator. We, saw, we, we, we received an overview of Genesis that this is the beginning of all things. It's the beginning of our identity as believers. It's the, it's the beginning of gender. It's the beginning of family. It's the beginning of, 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 of what it means to be alive, that God created us to be in a relationship with him. It's the beginning of our purpose, the beginning of why we were called. And, and what we know is this, is that the world wants to hijack, the sa- Satan wants to hijack your purpose. Everybody say hijack. A hostile takeover of your purpose. So we come to Genesis chapter 3 after we've come back to the beginning and we're, we're moving forward. And so we come to this place where there is a decision. And we hear about these two trees in the garden. Two trees. And so we begin in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Now remember, I titled this God Knows Best. But the scripture says that the Lord God planted a, a garden, excuse me, planted a garden at Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So remember, this is a place that sustains man. There's nourishment, there's, and they don't even have to do anything about it. They're just there, and they can partake of God's provision. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So this is the reference of these two trees. Two trees. So there's all these trees you can eat from, enjoy. Then there's these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then we move on to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. And we're introduced to the serpent. So we know that Satan took the form of a serpent. There are some other deep theological questions like why in the world was Satan allowed in the garden? It's a good question. I'm not answering that today, but it's a good question. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, we just read what was said. God said you can eat from any tree except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So God set out this garden they're supposed to take care of. And in our minds, we think of a garden and, you know, it's like a little 30 by 30 kind of area they got to live in. No, no, the, the garden meaning it was, it was created in, in perfection, the earth. 
There, there wasn't really boundaries. It was the earth. And they, they were to rule it and serve it and be a part of it and populate it. But there was one tree that they could not eat of. God said that if you do or touch it, you will die. And the scripture goes on. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Now look at this. And you will be like God. So Eve understood. No, 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 no. She actually corrected. No, we can eat of the garden trees. We just can't eat of the one tree. And then Satan goes, yeah, but you won't certainly die. Actually, what it is. So Satan says, let me explain to you what God was meaning. Let me explain to you what, what the scripture really means. This is what he says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like him, knowing good and evil. So here you have Satan letting them know, now actually, if you eat of it, what's going to really happen, you're going to become like God. Oh, well, that's a little bit more interesting. I'm going to become like God. So the, the, it continues, when the woman saw then that the fruit was good for food, in other words, she was like, hmm, I can eat it. It is food. It is pleasing to the eye. It's really, it's a nice fruit and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Oh, and I can have wisdom. I can gain it through my own initiative. She then took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Where'd you get that information from? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. And yes, I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is what theologically has been called the fall of man. But I feel like God wants to give us a different direction today regarding our purpose. So I don't know all the circumstances leading up to them eating. I don't know the conversations. I wasn't there. But I do know is that Satan, when he tempted Adam and Eve, he appealed to something in Adam and Eve's nature. He, there was the offer, the conversation, the dialect or dialogue, what he said, how he said it, appealed to something in Adam and Eve's nature. Now, they were not sinful. They were not 
They weren't corrupted by sin yet. They had not rebelled, but there was something that Satan did that appealed to their nature. Now we see Satan doing the same thing to Jesus in the desert. We find it in the Gospels when, he, when Jesus goes out and he's, he's led by the Spirit into the, to the desert and Satan tempts him. Now, Jesus was perfect, but even in his perfection, there was, Satan was, was appealing to something in the nature of Jesus and we see him appealing to something in the nature of Adam and Eve. And so for some reason, they had, they had made some decisions or locked into some things that, that they had maybe put God in a box. Meaning what, as they thought about this dialogue with Satan, somewhere in their mind, they had to come to this conclusion, well, God maybe isn't enough for me. Maybe he isn't enough. Now, they had been told you're to rule, you're to reign, you're to, you're to take care of the garden, you're to multiply, all these things. But, but, and God was like, and I'll take care of the rest. And they're like, yes, but I don't know. I'm uncomfortable with just having to rely just on God for all these things. And so they had placed God in a box. There was something about God that they felt or they did not see that he was enough for them. That's why they took matters into their own hands. And so Adam and Eve's actions, they revealed these, these, these four things. There are more, but just today I want to look at them. Their actions of taking and eating revealed that they questioned what God had said. So Satan says, did God really say? And they go, well, yeah, but did he really mean it? So they questioned. They also Question the sufficiency of God. In other words, well, God said he was, we could eat. God said we could have nutrients. God said everything's going to be taken care of. But maybe he's not sufficient for everything that I need. Their actions show that they questioned the sovereignty of God. That, you know what? I don't understand the how. Everybody say, I don't understand the how. So Adam and Eve, they didn't understand how God made that tree grow the way, to th the way that he did. How did he make that tree give fruit? How did he, how, did, how, how is that animal climbing that tree like that? How in the world do we breathe? How is this thing working? How come we don't get sunburnt when we're out here because we don't have any clothes on? I, they, they, they didn't know how. And so something in the human nature always wants to reserve full trust unless we know how. Everybody say how. So they didn't know how things worked. And so their actions questioned the sovereignty of God. That God's going to work it all out. That God's got a plan. That God is working and sorting things but I, can't, I don't know how. I don't know what he's doing. I can't see the end from the beginning. But it sure would be nice if I could. And so if I eat of it, the temptation was you would be like God. And it was good for wisdom too. Another thing that their actions revealed that they had trusted human reasoning over God's instruction. 
Somewhere along the way, they, they thought, you know what, as they process. So you remember Eve says, well, she saw that it was good for wisdom. In other words, she reasoned, it's wisdom, it's good for it. Therefore, human reasoning says I should take it. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang with me just for a second. They trusted human reasoning. When, when Eve offered it to Adam, he didn't say, what does God think? He trusted human reasoning for his actions and why he took it. And I know many times in the garden, we see, you know, Satan, poor Satan, he gets the bad rap here. This is a joke. I'm being sarcastic. But I want you to think about it. Adam and Eve took the bait. Satan baited them according to their human nature, according to how God had designed them. They weren't fallen. They weren't broken. But according to their, their nature in which they could make a free will choice on what to do. So they ate it. They took of it. They heard the message from Satan. So they walked up. Satan said, hey, what's up, Eve? Hey, you, did God say this? Did God say this? So she's interacting with him. And so from the message of Satan, what happened is it was received by Eve. And that thought constructed a belief. That's why our minds are so important, friends. And that belief then moved them to an action, and they acted on the belief. Nothing we do in our life is based off of a, a, just a thought, a, a, a theory. No, no. Everything we do, every decision we make is based off of a belief. The reason why, why I, I partake, why I eat food, because I know, I believe it's going to make me happy. Especially enchiladas and tacos. I believe it. But a belief. Why do we, why do we participate in things in our life that, that actually don't satisfy us? But we do it anyway because we believe that it actually can. And then the other side, it actually didn't. That's what really what sin is. It's a, it's a belief that that can actually satisfy me instead of God satisfying me. We take it into our own hands. We take it into our own ability to do it because we think I can, I can meet my needs outside of God. That's human nature. For me, for, for me personally, this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm passionate about me giving Tithe and offering is unto the Lord. Because by giving tithes and offering to the Lord, I am screaming and admitting that, that God is my provider. And then when I give it, it breaks the, the humanistic idea that I am a self-sufficient individual, which I am not. I am desperate for God to provide for me and my family. But the temptation is to skip the way that God wants to provide and to do it on my own, to somehow try to figure something out on my own. So Adam and Eve, when they took the fruit, when they took the bait, they weren't thinking about God. They weren't thinking about God's will, were they? 
Now remember, they had received a word from God, which I believe God wants to give some of, many of you a word today. And we're gonna take some time and, and, and seek God today, but they had received a word, a word of direction, a word of, of, of purpose. They had received it. But when they took of it, they weren't thinking about God's will. They weren't thinking about their purpose. They weren't thinking about their calling. They weren't thinking about God's goodness. They weren't thinking about their relationship, nor were they thinking about their relationship with God. They were thinking about what everyone else in this room, including myself, is thinking about right now, ourselves. Everybody say ourselves. And how things were going to work out for them. How they were going to step in and they were, going to, they were going to take care. Like, God, thank you, but I'm going to now be in charge of my life. I'm now going to be like you, God. I'm now going to have wisdom on my own. Well, really, God, thanks, but I don't really need you. And they made a decision to face their future absent from the one who created them and who knows the future. And they took it within their own power. Many of us do the same thing today. Every one of us has an image in our own minds of our imagination, a thought of how things should be or could be for ourselves, don't we? Every one of us, nothing wrong with that. You're like, I don't want to say yes. Is that wrong? Should I not? It's okay, all of us have that. But, but, but catch me here today. Are you guys with me today? This is what Satan used to bait Adam and Eve. In their mind, their thoughts, their imagination, how things could be or how things should be if they were like God. If they had wisdom and could go to a source that was outside of God and I could eat of it and I could become like God. This is what the enemy baits you and me with. Adam and Eve, I can gain wisdom. I can secure the future. Now listen to this. This thought, this independence, this if I am like God, I can secure my future. And it will be good for me. Because if I'm in charge, then I can always make the outcomes what I want them to be, which will always be best for me. So therefore, I should take the reins and control my life and be God in the garden over me. We often take the same bait, and this is what I want to lean into today. We take the same bait, and we have in our minds the way that things should be. We have in our minds the way that things should operate. We already have in our minds what I should do. We even have in our minds what others around us should do. We have in our minds what my kids should do. We have in our minds who I'm going to marry, who I'm going to date, where I'm going to work how God's going to work in my life and let, this is how God's gonna do this. He's gonna connect these dots and he's going to do it this way. And here's the issue with, with that. Here's the issue with taking that bait that in our relationship with God, I inform God on how things are going to work around here. He 
You guys getting this today? You're quiet today? Tell me you're still with me. We, we do this and we make these decisions and this is the challenge, friends, this is the challenge. We make all those decisions about life, about future, about jobs, about houses, about marriage, about dating, about finances. We make every one of them without ever asking God. And we don't ask God about those things. This is, friends, we are, we are I believe that we're stepping into a season of, of life in America. That the church is going to have to be led by the spirit and can no longer be led by the flesh. If we allow ourselves to be led by our own minds, by our own reasoning, then we will be subject to the realities of this earth, we will be subject to the realities of an earthly kingdom. But if we live and we live our lives by the spirit of God and are led by his voice, his leading, his word, then we will walk and step into a supernatural realm in our lives, in our church, that is not subject to what's happening in the world. Do you believe that? Adam and Eve were at a crossroads. They could choose human reasoning or they could choose God's way. God's way means they don't know how it's all going to work out, but they're going to choose his way by faith. Human reasoning says, I'm going to, I'm going to work it out and figure it out all on my own. And so what happens is we don't ask God about the things in our lives, the little things, the big things, because this is what we think. We think what makes the most sense in our minds is what God is actually saying. Find me one person in the scriptures that says after they reasoned with themselves and others, they determined what God was thinking and it, was, and it made the most sense. God doesn't make sense. And the problem with us making decisions based off of our own minds is it's, it's our own, own imagination. We have an imagination that can, listen, right now, you can, you can imagine a situation, a scenario. You can play it out. You can see it. Listen, we have such vivid imaginations. We can have arguments with people who aren't even here. And here's what's so crazy about our imagination. We answer back. They say this, I say this. They say this, I say this. We can, we can create stuff. But there's an issue with our imagination. Genesis 6 says, this is after the, after the fall of man, that the imagination and the hearts of man were set against God. In Jeremiah 3.17, it says, one day God will gather the nations around his throne. And listen to this. And humanity will no longer walk according to their corrupt imaginations. Philippians 2.3 calls our thoughts that are focused on us and when we live our lives and we don't ask God, it's our thoughts are called vain conceits. Imagination in our minds is how 
you want things to be. Because we have a perfect plan. We think. Imagination has, we want things to be this certain way, but here's the truth. It is, it is a hallucination because you do not possess the power to do anything about the outcome. But yet we think we do. Adam and Eve wanted the power to do something about the outcome of their life. We do the same thing. And because we call ourselves Christians and, and, and because we, we don't have revelation and understanding of the spirit mind and the, and the earthly mind, we invite God, because we're Christians, to do it for us in the way that we think it should be done or could be done. And we pray, God, do it my way. God, this is in my imagination. I want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. And then when things don't go according to our plans that we've been praying God to obey, we get frustrated. We get disappointed. And so listen, friends, today, this, this is a, this is a, some of you are, are, this is tough for you to catch, but I really believe this is instrumental on where God's taking us. When we live and when we function from our natural understanding, natural understanding, in other words, when we face a situation, we ask the situation what I should do. Instead of, hang on, I'm going to ask, ask the creator of the universe what I should do. But when we live and function from our natural understanding, the Bible calls this a stronghold in our minds. In other words, the truth of God cannot penetrate this place that we're making decisions from. And the reason we get disappointed is because we walk out our Christian lives, we walk out our, our, our faith with God according to our natural minds, according to our imagination instead of by the Spirit of God. And so when things don't work out the way that we want them to work out, we hold God accountable for not doing things the way that we thought of in our own natural mind. And we never asked him about what we should or should not do. It's the same thing that Adam and Eve did. We do it too. And so we are in a, in a battle. Satan is tempting you according to your Human nature. Paul says this out of 2 Corinthians. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but of divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. Right here, strongholds. And we destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. It all begins right here. The biggest hindrance to, your, to you prospering in God and seeing God's supernatural power and anointing and do things in your life that only God can get the credit for lies between your two ears, your thinking. And so we can snare ourselves by making decisions based off of our imagination. What makes sense to us so we go into debt. 
And then we get mad when we become a slave to the lender. Or we change jobs because we think, well, that must be the right move. Or we move to another house, or we move to another state, or we go to a, another church, or we, or we go to another relationship. We make decisions, now friends hear me, we make decisions about our kids, our life, our marriage. Or we just do things the way that we've always done them because it makes sense to us. And then things don't work out and then we get disappointed and we get depressed and then we have a crisis of faith. We question God's love for us. We question his goodness and his care for us. And we lay and we bawl our eyes out. And why, God, why would you let this happen? And we lose our joy and we lose our sense of purpose. We lose our calling. We lose our closeness to God like Adam and Eve did. And we begin to feel ourselves being crushed under the weight of all of this responsibility and we feel like life is falling apart and oh, this is happening in the world and this is happening because of COVID and this is happening because I lost a job and this is happening because it's, you know, Gog and Magog is heading south and this is happening because this is going on and this is happening because the politicians and this is, and we base everything about, oh, I gotta take care of it all. But the reality is the decisions that we have made and we have aligned our lives with were made from human imagination. Satan operates within these laws. I want you to hear me for a second. He cannot violate your free will, okay? He can't do it. But he can tempt you. He can appeal to our human nature of self-reliance, just like he did Adam and Eve. Listen, they were, this is, this is pre-sin, and it, it, he tempted them according to that nature. And so he appeals to independence, and he appeals to our need to be in control. He appeals to the desire to get us to live our lives from human earthly reason. And so Paul, Paul was writing the church and he was, he was talking to them about, about how they're going to, what they need to do in their own church. And he, he was, he was actually concerned. And he said, I want you to do this and this. And look at this verse 11, second Corinthians two says, so that Satan will not outsmart us for, for we are familiar with his evil schemes which here's the problem, most of us are not. Satan's evil schemes are revealed at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hey, do you really need God? Hey, can't you really do this on your own? Hey, there's no need to check with God before you answer this. Adam, go ahead, it's human reasoning from Eve. I mean, look how cute she is. She can't be wrong, right? So Paul is saying that Satan can appeal, he can tempt us according to our human nature. 
So for us to not be outsmarted by Satan, we need to live according to the spirit of God that lives within us. This is the call of the church in this hour. It's time to stop living in the flesh and start living your life in the power of the spirit. I'm very careful. When there's a, a need and that I assume, because a lot of times, because my role and uh, as a pastor, that I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of needs. And I'm very careful when I'm confronted with a need before I speak or say, I, I want a word from the Lord. I, ex- I, I want to know exactly what God wants to do or I'm not going to say, I'm not going to assume I know what God wants to do. When someone's on their deathbed, listen, the worst thing you can tell the family, hear me today, hey, don't worry, God's going to raise them up. They're going to be healed unless I have a strong word from the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible says that, that there is a time appointed for every man to die. I don't know that time. And for me to tell a family that, that God's going to do something and, and, and raise somebody up and heal this person without a word from God, that is called irresponsible and cruel. Because if that person dies and goes on to be with Jesus, they're not mad at me. They're mad at God because God didn't heal them. And so we live, even our spirit world, our spiritual lives, we live making decisions and saying things because we want to look spiritual, because we want to proclaim faith and see I'm a man of God and I can say these things and declare these things. The problem is if you're not declaring what God's declaring, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. I'm very careful. I know some people do. I decree and I declare this and this and this. Okay, that's cool. But is that what God is saying? Because then we get our, we get our, um, our hearts, our hope in something that we're hoping, but God hasn't said. And so we doubt the sovereignty of God and we think I need to paint God into a corner and say things in such faith manner that he's going to have to answer me and do it my way. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Friends, we must be determined to live surrendered to the sovereignty of God. In other words, our life, and as we make decisions for our families, we make decisions for, we must come back to the, to the place that Jesus came to in the Garden of Gethsemane. We must say, God, if it be according to your will, let it be God. If it be according to your will, let it be God. And once you begin engaging your faith with the will and the purposes of God, you then begin to release the supernatural in your life because you're stepping from from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to now the tree of life where God is your provider. God's the one that oversees you. God's the one who's faithful. God's the one who is sovereign. That he has promised to provide for you. You don't have to wring your hands and worry what's gonna happen in the world, what's gonna happen with the oil prices, what's gonna happen... 
In Ukraine, what's going to happen? And all this, oh my, hey, listen, go over and take you a snack from the tree of life that says, my God is good and he will supply all of my needs. God is calling us to be people of the spirit. Again, Satan appeals to our human minds. Did God really say? Did God really say? I think for us, many times it's this, friends. Did God really say you can't take things into your hands? Well, you've been self-sufficient your whole life. Did God really say you can't do that? I say, grab it. Take it, do it. And, this, and Satan says, did God say you can't do it on your own? He does the same when we face a decision. I think often he says something similar like this. Instead, he says this, did God really say, he says this, what do you want God to say? That's our temptation. When we face a situation, this is, this is what, what he says. What do you want God to say? Well, I want him to say this and I want him to do this. Then go and live your life. Pray your prayers. Make your decisions based off of what you want God to say. And listen, you could even tell people that you prayed about it. Because you are. You're, you're praying that God would do it according to what you want him to do. The issue is you're praying to tell God what you want, not ask him what he wants, friends. The supernatural power of God moving in your life is only found in doing things God's way. Amen? I know it's quiet today. This is a challenge to our, to our minds. I, I got I to close with this. There's, this, there's a picture of this, uh, Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman has leprosy, great story. And he hears about the prophet Elisha and a servant that, that, from a servant that Elisha can heal him. So, so Naaman, and, I mean, he's a big time general. He goes to the king, says, hey, king, I'm going to go over and, and see Elisha. And he's going he, to heal me. And so, so Nahum rolls up, chariots, horses, He's got his whole garb on. He's got a spot of leprosy. And he rolls up to Elisha's house. And I don't know if it was a horn. You know, dun, 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 dun. Naaman's here. And so Elijah says, Elijah sends a messenger. Well, go tell him to jump in the Jordan. Now, Naaman is an important person. And the scripture says he got angry. Well, at least he could have come out and seen me. This is not how I had in my imagination how this was going to work. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. He could have come out. He could have waved his hand. He, he's got it all detailed. He had imagined the whole thing. He could have waved his hand over the spot, and he, he could have called on his God, and I could be healed, and I could roll off. But he sends a messenger to go jump in the nasty Jordan. He's crazy. And what was it that Naaman 
was frustrated that how God wanted to do it wasn't the way that he wanted it to be done. And we do that all the time. We said, no, 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 uh-uh. What God's, God's gonna get, get my child this type of scholarship so they're gonna go here and this is how it's gonna happen. So God, do you hear me? This is what's gonna happen. And they're gonna go to school and they're gonna study this. And this is how it's gonna happen. And God, you're gonna wave your hand and you're gonna meet me right here and then, then you're gonna do this. And then God said, actually, I, 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 I want your child to do something else. And then we get angry. What? That is not what I had in mind. What are you talking about, God? Or this, this, God, this is how you're going to save my children. This is how you're going to reach my grandchildren. You're going to do it this and then by this. And then when I do this and then someone shows up there. And if I tell this person, you got to go and talk to that person. Maybe they'll get to this person. And then God's like, I'm not going to do it that way. What do you mean? Same way with a financial need. We go, oh, God, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to do this and I'm going to leverage this and I'm going to, I'm going to take a mortgage out on this and then I'm going to go do this and I'm going to, I, I, and we create or say, God, now come on, come on, God, come, come and bless what I'm doing. And then something doesn't happen. And we, are you joking me, God? And God just wants us to make a decision, friends. To ask him, what does he want? What does God want? So many times we miss out on God's healing, his power, his provision, because we only position ourselves to receive it in the way that we have imagined it. I want you to hear me. So many times we miss out on God's healing, power, provision, because we've positioned ourselves to receive it in the way that we imagined it would come. And when you allow yourself to be controlled only by your mind and what you can understand, it will drag you and it will lock you in a box and you won't be able to receive from God because he doesn't fit in your box. He is God. We have put God in the box so many times. We have leaned on the arm of the flesh so many times when it comes to this church, listen, we don't want a ministry that's built by human hands. We want a ministry that's built by the hand of God. So Jason, how come we're not doing this? And how come we're not doing that anymore? How come we're, uh, because we're not being led by what you want, what I want. We're being led by the spirit of God and his supernatural desire to move in the midst of our church. Well, I don't like it. That's fine. Go jump in the, in the Jordan anyway. Well, I don't like it. That, that's fine. Then you, then you can go somewhere else while we, while we experience the supernatural hand of God moving in our midst. That's fine. We didn't come this far to live our lives from the arm of the flesh. Because all of us, if we were honest, we'd realize, I don't want to do that. Adam and Eve thought, yeah, we can do it. And the moment they said, we can do it, guess what? They started to die. It crushed them. They left the supernatural provision of God. And they took it into their hands. 
and it crushed them. Friends, invite the supernatural back into your life. Stir up this this fresh gift of faith. Some of you are so bound up with human thinking. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't heard a fresh word from God in years. Because your words from God, interesting enough, sound like what you want. Some of you need a supernatural provision, provision from God. And you're trying to tell God how things are going to work and what he needs to bless in order for you to, to be provided for. It's time you surrender and release it. Some of you have a dream from God. Some of you have a word from God and, and God gave it to you. And then now, you, now, now you're like, okay, God, I'll drive from here. It's time that you surrender your future again. Some of you have mapped out your life according to what you think is possible. And, you've, and, you, and, and you need a word from God. God wants to use you to do things that are above what you can think or ask. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able, everybody say he's able, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Who's doing the work in your life? God is. Who was providing for Adam and Eve? God was. Who wants to provide for you? God does. Who wants to bless your marriage as you do it God's way? God does. Who wants to give you an impact and influence over what he called you to do? God does. Some of you need to surrender your kids and say, I, I, God, I want what you want. For some of you, you used to walk in faith. You used to walk with courage. You used to think that God could do anything with your life. You used to wake up with this excitement of your relationship with God, but because of fear, because of pressures, because of responsibilities, because of, of disappointments, because of, of even your own mistakes and weariness, you're living a small life because of what you've told yourself that God can't do it anymore. But God wants you to move from questioning what he has said to now trust what he has said. He wants you to move from questioning his sufficiency to now trust in the sufficiency of him. He wants you to move from questioning his sovereignty to now trusting his sovereignty. He wants you to move from trusting human reason to now trusting God's leading over your human reasoning. Everybody put your hand on your mind right now. And say, God, in my mind, be glorified. Say it again. Say, God, in my mind, be glorified. This is not about me. This is not about my opinion. This is not about my expectation. It's about you. God, I give you permission to do whatever you want. In Jesus' name. Listen, God wants to move in your life, friends. I'm going to ask us just to stand if we can. Let's go ahead and stand today.
This is such a, an important word for some of you. It's challenging you. It's calling you out. Listen, God wants the supernatural to be released in your life. According to his will, according to his plan, according to who he is, according to what he's doing, according to, to his, his purpose for your life. Don't block it. Because you tell God how things are going to work. Surrender your life. That God would do with you, your family, your job, whatever he chose, whatever he wants. Do you, do, do you believe that today? Are you with me today? Do you believe that God can do more than you could ever ask or think? Do you believe that that he is exceedingly, abundantly able. Do you believe that? Do you believe that all things are possible with God? So whatever you're facing, step into that realm and ask him what he wants to do in your life. Some of you are holding on so bad. I don't understand this, Jason. I don't get it. I don't, that's okay. Then surrender your understanding and ask God for his understanding. I, I, I pray you're getting this today. If you can, just, just close your eyes just for a moment. I know it's getting late. Just, I, I, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray that you would destroy every stronghold in the name of Jesus. Every thought and way of thinking that has elevated itself up against the knowledge of you, God. God, I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, if, if that's you if, you, if you feel like fear, whatever it is that you sense the Holy Spirit identifying that's blocking you from walking in the supernatural realm in your life and faith and joy and peace, just, just, just confess it. So Lord, I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. Father, I come against the spirit of intimidation in Jesus' name. Lord, I come against the spirit of grumbling and murmuring and complaining in Jesus' name. God, I rebuke the, the blinders that are on people's eyes that are keeping them from seeing you move in their life. Lord, I ask you today that you would rewire our minds and our brains that we could think in the spirit realm that we could see things the way that you see them. That we would, before we do anything, God, today we make the commitment that we're gonna ask you first. We're not gonna ask the world. We're not gonna ask human reason. We're going to ask you first. We're going to be led by your spirit and we're going to walk in a realm of faith. Lord, I'm asking you to move us from, from a ministry of, of the natural, the ministry of of ceilings, borders, restrictions, all the I can'ts. God, I ask you that you would release it from us today in Jesus' name, that we will look to you today and receive your power, receive your anointing, receive the reality that you want to do something with us that is beyond anything that we could ask or think and you will get the glory for it. God, I ask you that you would cleanse us in the name of Jesus from being 
people who, who, who reason about what you want to do because it's what we want to do. Lord, we surrender our rights. We surrender our lives. We surrender our opinions. And we today leave here expecting you to move in our lives. We surrender our marriages today. We surrender our children. We lay down our jobs. We lay down our, our health issues. We lay down whatever we're facing. We lay down our financial woes or problems and we put them at your feet today. And God, we ask you that you would move by your power and by your spirit to bring deliverance to us that you bring deliverance to our way of thinking. You bring deliverance to our way of processing. You bring deliverance to all the things, all the words that have been spoken over us that were curses to us. We reject that today in Jesus' name. That today, God, your people would walk in power and anointing and confidence that you are with them, that they are not bound anymore, that they are released to be what you called them to be, that, that following you is not weak, it's not a wimp, God, following you is a, is a journey of courage. It's a journey of trust. And so, Lord, today, we realign our lives with you that we will trust you at every step of the way. We say, God, use us for your glory. Can you say that today? God, use me for your glory. Say it again. God, use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Friends, listen, I love you. I need to let you go. I, I, I wanna challenge you today. Do not, do not let this word just kinda float away. This is for some of you. It's challenging the very core of who you are. I'm believing God to move in your life supernaturally. I can't do anything for you, but I know a God who can and ask him, invite him into every situation and he wants to show you and lead you in Jesus' name. So listen.